Hello and welcome to the Golfing Greenkeeper podcast. It's official, we've hit a quarter of a century. This is episode number 25. Well guys, I hope you enjoyed last week's podcast episode with Superintendent Phil Hill of Barn Bugle. Such a lovely guy, such a great bloke, great to chat to and I hope you guys enjoyed listening. I certainly had a great time interviewing and chatting with Phil and uh, I look forward to bringing more greenkeepers and superintendents onto the Keeper of the Green segment of the podcast. But for this episode, we move straight on and we get out and walk the beautiful, beautiful, blissful, magnificent fairways of Australia. And it's absolutely fantastic how good is the weather. It's just a majestic spring. The weather's just amazing. So we walk. Let's walk. Let's get out there and let's see what's happening in the country for this episode number 25. And we're going to start in Victoria to Yalorn Golf Club. I think that's how you pronounce it, Yalorn, Y-A-L-L-O-U-R-N, Yalorn. Now, it's in the Gippsland. It's east of Melbourne, in the Gippsland of Victoria. It's 150 k's east of Melbourne or there or thereabouts. Now, they're in the middle of doing some changes to their golf course with a neighbouring development that will take up a small portion of the golf course land. So the club's obviously done a bit of a deal there. They've, they've, they've sold some land off to no doubt get themselves some cash and do a bit of reworking around the golf course. And that's what that's what courses do from time to time. Your lawn is clearly no different. But the changes are looking to... Uh, it's going to do some small changes to the golf course. What they're going to do, it's going to involve three new golf holes being constructed. And the design... Of the new works will be done by none other than OCM, Ogilvy, Cocking and Mead. And we know the OCM guys from plenty of stuff that's been happening. Sandy Links, Lonsdale down there in Melbourne. So they've got uh, a good recent name. If you haven't heard them, you've probably been sleeping under a concrete slab somewhere or living in the bush. We don't know. But uh, that's who's doing the work. So a very good choice from your lawn. And we look forward to seeing this work come out here uh onto the golf course with this new development and what it's doing to uh, to adjust the golf course, to tweak it around a little bit. Now, the works have recently commenced, and the development is called New Monash Views. So that's what's happening down there. Like I said, it's taken up a small portion of the course, and um, it's sort of it's jutting out. The development's jutting out into the course a little bit, so there's a little bit of road work there and, and some things happening, and uh, the new holes will kind of be routed around that as well. So there's some works there. Um, if you know the course, if you've been down that way, if you've played it before, um, looks like a beautiful regional track there in Victoria. Uh, you probably have got an idea of what's been going on there. And if you haven't visited, well, look, you know, give it a little bit of time and um, it'll be a, a, a basically a partially new golf course. Now, they're, uh, along with those works, so that's what they're doing. Three new golf holes, like I mentioned, as part of the development. And no doubt that'll give the club some money. That they'll upgrade the golf course with the new works, plus they'll probably be looking at doing a few other things into the future. So that's a good thing. Now, they're also installing some new irrigation around the second green and the 15th fairway along with this process. So that's a good thing as well. And, you know, I keep saying, if ever you hear me talk about or mention any golf courses that are doing some irrigation works, it is a very good thing. Certainly, leading into late spring and summer, it's it's a very good thing indeed. So we're, we... Um, we say good luck and well done to Yalon and, and the efforts that they're doing moving forward and certainly looking forward to see how that all comes through for them once it's completed, done by, like I said, OCM. So look for some good, interesting design work and challenging and enjoyable golf to come out of the new works there at Yalon. 
Now we head down to Sorrento Golf Club in the very at the very very tip of the Mornington Peninsula around Port Phillip Bay there in Victoria down from Melbourne. And they've got some new work being done by Design Duo Crafter in Mogford at the moment. They're rebuilding their first fairway, which is involving it's a little bit of work in this one. It's involving raising the fairway itself. So there's a little bit of fill coming in that they're, they're looking to, to get some interesting movement out of the golf course. It's going to change some elevations, change a little bit of what I call the Z factor, which is, you know, you've got your X and Y axes and the Z sort of up and down, if you like, if that's the simplest way of talking about it. I love movement in the Z axis. It's really interesting and intriguing in a golf course. So they're, they're bringing the golf the, the fairway up on the first hole there at Sorrento. And uh, what that's going to do is they're also going to be incorporating some new fairway bunkers. Uh, that will be a challenge from the tee of the golf hole. Now, I've been down the Mornington, but I haven't been all the way to Sorrento. I've heard lots and lots of wonderful things about Sorrento. So if you're a Victorian, if you're a Melbourneian, and you're a visitor to or a regular visitor to Sorrento, you probably you may have already seen the works um, that's been happening down there on that first hole. But uh, look, the fairway shapes, from some of the images that I've seen so far, the fairway shapes are, are looking pretty impressive for those fairway bunkers. The shapes are just... They look really cool. So Crafter and Mogford are, are doing some really intricate work. Look, they do some wonderful stuff around the place, Crafter and Mogford. So uh, expect this to be no different down at Sorrento. Um, it's the early stages, but I'm very, very much looking forward to seeing how good these works on the first hole are coming out. And, and look, to be honest, who doesn't love some great, a great view down to some fairway bunkers? A bit of challenge there on the first tee shot down, um, down a first hole. So Sorrento. They're, uh, they're getting on with it, and Crafter Mogford are doing some good work there. Now, Crafter Mogford are also doing some more work down in Victoria, and we swing right around the other side of Port Phillip Bay, down the southwestern side of Melbourne, or it's a very short ferry trip across the, the mouth of Port Phillip Bay, to, uh, to Barwon Heads Golf Club. Now, Barwon Heads has a fantastic name. An absolutely fantastic name in Victorian golf, certainly in Australian golf. And it's very, very well regarded as a golf course. It's got a very good name and uh, and certainly holds its head up high uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the stand and the stature in the golfing world in Australia. Now, Barwon Heads by way, are doing some work by way of some minor adjustments to the back of the 15th green with some humps and hollows happening there. So a little bit of movement in the ground around the back of the green. So if you shoot long, look to see some challenging return shots up onto the playing putting surface. And and the reason that's been done is it's following the removal of a very old and aging cypress, cypress tree that was there, cypress pine. Now, you know, that was something that was starting to show signs of age and, and bits of decay. And that tree has been removed, no doubt for safety purposes, I'm certain. And, uh, and that's sort of led into these adjustments to the back of the 15th green. So I don't know the whole myself, haven't, haven't had the luxury, haven't had the pleasure of being to Barwon Heads. And a little bit like Sorrento, I've heard lots of wonderful things and, and probably even more so about Barwon, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, some work happening there behind the, behind the 15th green, like I said, with a little bit of movement around. So you'll see some challenge if you skip it through on the 15th. Now, at Barwon, they're also adding some new fairway bunkers to their par 4 10th hole as well. So, look, Crafter and Mogford have got a little bit of work happening, and it is difficult times for a lot of designers and architects uh, to, to keep busy and keep work happening. And they're doing it in their home states at the moment because 
Uh, it's nigh on impossible to travel to any other states. So Crafter and Mogford, like I said, are keeping busy, certainly down there in and around Melbourne, which is great news to see. And I'm such a big fan, and I'll keep saying it to you. I'm a huge fan of seeing golf courses just keep ticking. And you heard Phil Hill from Barn Bugle talking about the one percenters, always looking to do something. And it's certainly something that I was a big fan of when I was at Katoomba and earlier at Wentworth Falls in my time. Those one percenters, you've always got to keep busy because it's a moving target of golf course. It's always growing and changing. You do need to stay on top of it. Now, we stay in Victoria, and this time we head north out of Melbourne, just to the outskirts of Melbourne CBD, oh, sorry, Melbourne CBD, Melbourne metro area, to Club Mandalay. Now, it's in the north side, like I mentioned, and they've been busy for the past few weeks doing some extensive new drainage work. Not something we often hear or talk about, but they're doing some serious drainage work on their 16th hole, which will help move away some excess water from some problem areas on that hole itself. Low-lying areas, water sitting for too long, starts to have some, it starts to create lots of problems within the turf surfaces. So it's it's obviously causing some issues around there on the 16th. And Mandalay are looking to alleviate that problem. And they're just putting in a whole heap of, you know, some herringbone drainage. And, and it's going to deal with a problem really well. Herringbone, it's, it's basically, that's the pattern. We talk herringbone, you think about, uh, you know, fish, bone, herringbone, hence the term, um, and that sort of central run, and then lots of fingers off on a sort of 45-degree angle left and right off a main center line. So that's what we're looking for in a herringbone-type drainage, and that's usually the best way to drain large-scale, um, sort of broad, flattish areas that uh, are problems where water tends to sit, accumulate, and it's just not getting away. So that's what's going on at Mandalay. I haven't mentioned Mand- Club Mandalay before. Um, I did drive past it coming home from Melbourne last time, which now seems like oh so long ago, driving north up the Hume, but uh, back home to Sydney. But um, yeah, Mandalay doing some work, some drainage work, and and you know, like it's probably drainage work. To be honest, is one of those things that's not really often talked about. It's seldom seen because it's subsurface. We often see a little bit of, it's a bit like irrigation, you see a lot of the damage and a lot of the work to be done. But after that happens and it recovers, we often forget it's there. It's always working. 24-7, it's always working. And it's something that we as green keepers like to maintain. We always keep an eye on it to make sure that it's doing its job um, after we put it in, certainly in dealing with some of these low-lying wet areas that you put in afterwards. It, it's something that really does do a lot of the hard work around golf courses that as golfers and as players we don't realize even exists, but uh, it's it's a big deal and certainly something that golf courses always keep an eye on. Drainage is a big deal, uh, certainly with, like I mentioned, those problem areas. Areas with heavy soil, we at Katoomba, for example, in my time at Katoomba, we had... You know, notoriously the Blue Mountains is very shallow soils. You know, you might have two, three hundred mil depth of soil before you hit rock. Uh, really, really shallow soils, and invariably it's quite sandy style soil as well. And you hit sandstones or ironstones and all sorts of rock. We we come into all sorts of problems. But every now and then, in certain pockets of our golf course at Katoomba, we would have really heavy soil. So areas that were you know previously sort of uh, before the golf course was there were were sort of subsurface water would accumulate through different gravel and strata layers of the rock and water would pool and come out and you'd have these sort of semi-boggy areas where really heavy sort of swampy type plants would have existed previously um, and it just changed the soil structure around that area and they were quite heavy. Uh, a lot of sort of the hollower sort of spots, uh, low-lying areas around 
former creek lines and that sort of stuff. So uh, that's where you deal with drainage. And we, at one point, put in, I think, over a kilometre's worth of drainage there in, in one season, um, trying to deal with a few uh, issues there with drainage. And, and that's the sort of stuff that you, you'll find at golf courses. Drainage is really, it's an unsung hero of many golf courses, of all golf courses, because um, we need to get the course in play as fast as possible to keep you guys out there. And that's what uh, that's what the drainage does. A lot of hard work done by drainage. That's unspoken. It's an unsung hero, really. Now let's go over. We head west from Victoria into the state of South Australia, and one of the big things that I've been talking about in the past has been mini golf, mini golf, mini golf courses popping up left, right, and centre. Now in in Adelaide we find, or in South Australia we find a Shanks mini golf at Regency Regency Park. In the north of Adelaide, it's been open for play for just over a week. It's a new addition to the public golf course up there at Regency Park, and mini golf is just taking over. It's getting so many fans. So many people are playing it. They really are enjoying it. Lots of kids, lots of people having groups and gatherings and and bits of, well, got to be careful. We can't have too big a gathering. What is it? Different states have different rules. Two people, four people, five people, seven people, ten people. Who knows? But uh, you can get together with a mate or a couple of mates, get out there and have some fun. Certainly kids can as well. And it's a great introduction to golf, I think, for kids. A really fun way of doing it. And these days, the ideas and the brains behind some of these mini golf courses are sensational. It's a hell of a lot of fun. It's so much better than it was back in the 90s. It's a really good positive move for a lot of public access courses. And certainly some other local, you know, private public access golf courses are, are installing them as well. Great fun, good to see, really exciting to see um, this new Shanks Mini Golf at Regency Park open and uh, getting a really a really good kick along. Now we head down just slightly back into the city of Adelaide itself to Royal Adelaide and they're doing some irrigation upgrades to their first fairway and just like I mentioned about your lawn in Victoria, you know, Royal Adelaide's no different. Every golf course wants to make sure that leading into summer Anything that's been niggling away in autumn or winter that's been a problem or, you know, or it's reared its head up right now, you want to get onto it and deal with that problem and solve those headaches. So Royal Adelaide have found something that they need to upgrade on their first fairway. They're getting it done to make sure that everything is in good working order for the summer ahead. And it's crucial. And certainly in a place like Adelaide, South Australia is the driest state in Australia. And, uh, you, you know, look, enough said. They've just got to make sure that they've got water where they need it. And it's such a wonderful landscape. Royal Adelaide do such a great job down there and uh, in maintaining the golf course and presenting it so well. And uh, it's really, really important to make sure that your irrigation is working perfectly. So just a little upgrade there for Royal Adelaide moving into the summer months. Now we head up to New South Wales. And just a little bit that I wanted to mention, I did a lot of talking about New South Wales a couple of weeks ago, and there's so much been happening in New South Wales, but one that really jumped onto my radar at the moment is Parks Golf Club in the central west of the state. You go over the range, head away, you know, it's a good five hours, I think, from Sydney, thereabouts to get to Parks. But it's a wonderful golf course in a beautiful country town. Parks is fantastic, very famous for the dish. We all know the movie The Dish. Well, that's where that's Parks. Um, the Dish is quite dramatically large. It's insane, actually. If you go there, it's a, something enormous. Um, but it is quite a way out of town. But Parks itself 
is uh, is on the western side of the city centre or the town centre, and they're getting started. And I did mention this a little while ago that there's a bypass major road being built, road corridor being built around the town of Parks, and they're getting started with some of their courseworks as part of these uh, road developments that are happening for the bypass of the town. Now, Fleming Golf are the contractors that have won the work to do uh, all the new golf course work there as part of the um, the minor adjustments to the course because of these roadworks. And Fleming Golf have just kicked it off already, and they've installed one of the temporary greens as part of this bypass roadworks. So they've dug, you know, they've dug it in, they've turfed it out, they've got a temporary green ready for play. Oh, sorry, it's finished, and it'll be grown in pretty quickly because it's turf sod. So it won't be too long before that's ready for play. And and some of these areas of Parks Golf Course are, are going to be affected by the roadworks as part of the realignment work. So there's a few little changes happening on the course. Um, and it's part of progress, I suppose. But they're getting a, a few new things out of it. So these are just the temporaries being put in place. And we look forward to seeing these new works being done uh, to... to you know, reshape some of the holes that are along that that corridor edge where the road's being put and, um, you know, that'll allow for the new course to come out. So 18 holes are still for play. It hasn't affected it. That's why they're doing temporaries. But look, it's actually going to be a really good temporary from this one that's going down as we get these new roadworks done, built, and uh, we look forward to the new adjustments to the course being completed over the next couple of years. So good stuff happening there to parks at the moment. It's the steps of progress and we look forward to uh, really seeing that come through. And uh, look, been a long time since these sorts of things happen to regional golf courses. So they'll be rubbing their hands together now and they're getting a bit of funding to do some of these things. So good stuff happening out there in parks in the Central West. Now, on the Walking the Fairway segment this week, I have brought back sustainable golf. Love this segment. Big fan. We get back into South Australia. And we go to Glenelg Golf Club there on the western suburb of the Adelaide City, just along the beaches Glenelg is. It's a beautiful coastal town, absolutely fantastic. And Glenelg Golf Club itself is no different. They've got a beautiful golf course. They've been busy doing some controlled burning around some of their water courses and through some of the plants that are growing through the edges of their water courses as well. And it's part of the broader Green Adelaide initiative that's going on down there. They've received some funding. And this is a really good one. I'm loving hearing about this, and I'll I'll talk about another uh, another golf course in Sydney that's doing similar style of things. But we'll stick with Glenelg for the moment. So the burning off some of these uh, some of these plant life, some of these these green areas, just to control them a little bit more. And there's a reason for that. These particular burns at Glenelg are targeted at creating habitat for a particular butterfly called the yellowish sedge skipper. Now, I don't make these names up. These are clearly what the common names are that they're called, a yellowish sedge skipper. So clearly, going by that term, it's kind of yellowish. (laughs) I actually had to work out what it was because I wasn't sure by the name whether we were talking about some sort of amphibian or a fish or anything. Turns out it's a butterfly. But... These are really this is these are the sorts of little details that golf courses can do to improve their environmental stance in the local area. And I love it. A big fan of it. So the yellowish sedge skipper, it is a mouthful to say, is the target for creating 
some Habitat for as part of these burns. Now, it's these types of works and initiatives that I think can be a great part of any and every golf course, in my opinion. And I think it's fantastic. I, I really think it's a positive. You guys might sit there and think I'm a little bit mad of making a point of something that seems so small, but it's these small things that really make a huge difference in not only how golf courses are viewed, but also adding on top of what they're already doing in the local environment. There's already a lot of wildlife and a lot of plant life that golf courses are harboring and fostering and looking after. And this in particular is something very specific that no doubt is is a bonus. It's probably, you probably find it might even be something that's that the um, the butterflies is something that might have been flagged as, as being dwindling in numbers less less habitat for it around adelaide so the golf club itself have said look you know we're going to help create some habitat for it and i think it's a positive move it's a really good thing and i also think about what's what's being talked about happening at royal sydney where harley cruise is involved as a landscape architect for a lot of the the vegetation work that's going to be done as part of the rebuild and the redesign of royal sydney uh that's that's being done through uh, through gil hance um as lead architect, but Harley's doing the vegetation side of things. And a lot of the criticism from outside the golf club and outside the golf world is ill-informed. A lot of the things that they're going to be doing there at Royal Sydney are positive moves for the local area and the local environment. And you're going to be moving away from a lot of the pine trees that are there and, and imported, you know, trees from other regions of the world that just aren't native or endemic to the area and they've they've caused problems in reducing habitat for local and native native species so part of what royal sydney are doing is they're turning it around and they're reintroducing plants that are long lost from the area that are in very very small pockets in that part of the eastern suburbs and I'm really excited about what's going on down there at Royal Sydney. So, look, Glenelg, I bounced off Glenelg for a little bit. We go back to Glenelg. That's a really positive move about the yellowish sedge skipper and the work they're doing to create habitat for it. Glenelg have also been hydro-seeding some of their new out-of-play areas that they've been doing some works for, just off the sides and the out-of-play areas of golf holes. And they've been doing the hydro-seeding with a combination of native grass seed and fescue as well. Now, that's another positive move to see where they're introducing, and I say reintroducing, native grasses to the areas that have that have potentially been long lost. So over the years, as the city expands and the, the local areas get, you know, slowly consumed by population and building and construction and so on, Glenelg have gone, you know what? In in years gone by, we let this stuff disappear. Now we want to be the places and the location that's harboring the growth of some of these native grasses so it's a good thing to see again Glenelg are really paving the way for a lot of golf courses around Australia with some of this environmental stuff and don't get me wrong there's plenty of courses doing these sorts of things not always talked about but Glenelg are making a point certainly in South Australia and Adelaide of talking about all of their good work and I'm trying to give you guys some of uh, give Glenelg some of the attention to tell you guys about what's going on down there too fantastic on many fronts now we're going to New South Wales to Carnarvon Golf Club now it's in the southwest of Sydney well-established golf club it's it's one that a lot of people don't often talk about it's a public course members public course they've been they've been busy They've been busy doing some things in regards to some of their wetlands and uh, some of their water bodies. Now, they've recently installed some floating wetlands into their water bodies, into their dams. Now, the idea behind this, and you can picture in your head, it's just a like, big rectangular or square type pods, if you like, with 
grasses and sedges and things hanging out of it. It sounds a bit odd, but the idea behind this is to improve the quality of the quality of the water by reducing even further any nutrients and other pollutants that are in the water. And it's a low-cost alternative to using any treatments and and products to put into the water to deal with uh, any any pollutants and, and certainly any nutrients that accumulate over time in those dams and things. So the dams capture runoff from the golf course, as we know, but you'll be surprised the biggest problem in any water body on golf courses is nearly always the runoff from the streets. And, and golf courses invariably rely on that outside external runoff coming in through onto their golf course and into their dams to as a bit of water supply. But the pollutants that come off the streets is obscene. Some of the junk, some of the rubbish and and some of the pollutants that can mix with the water. Yeah, we talk about oils and we talk about nutrients and we talk about stuff it's coming off other people's properties. It's coming off the streets. It's coming off yeah, it's coming off everywhere. It's so many different parts that you really struggle to realize the far the, the sort of the far reach of these streets and where it washes into golf courses and into their dams golf courses become a treatment system for a lot and a lot of people don't talk about it i'm going to i'm going to talk about it they are they're a treatment system for stormwater whether whether we want it to be or not on the golf course we often are dealing with it and um and naturally they do a, the grass and the turf will treat those things out and they'll they'll consume them and they will use those those pollutants but these floating water bodies these these floating wetlands are another means to strip those nutrients and pollutants out of the water and it's a really good initiative so they're doing some of that at Carnarvon they're putting them in their their dams and their water bodies and and the other thing that's a bonus about these particular things instead of using a, a treatment in the water itself and putting some other products in to solve these problems, putting these floating wetlands in, it'll actually, they'll grow to provide habitat for the local wildlife. And one of the other things that Carnarvon's hoping for is that they're going to, they might even increase the wildlife habitat and certainly increase the numbers of the wildlife that, that live in the golf course area as well. That's another bonus. So there's lots of good positives that can come out of doing this. And like I said, invariably the dams and, and water bodies on golf courses usually involve the the runoff from the streets and, and dealing with those problems. So, you know, again, I, I think about Katoomba and my time at, at Katoomba Golf Club and part of the development there was to put in some water bodies to deal with the natural treatment. We call it like tertiary treatment of water um, through plant life. Uh, we had water bodies built on the course specifically for the development, but part of that was it was going to capture a lot of the existing street water and storm water from from various streets that surround the golf course and treat that water as well which was a, a kind of a bonus for the local area so we would have a lot of storm water runoff go into our dams on site and it would go through a myriad of different turns and bends and so on and and different plants were planted around in different locations around the dams to deal with and treat the water before it would spill out and travel downstream through the creek system. So it's it's a tertiary treatment of the water. Now, of course, I can't go too much further without talking about Seven Mile. I'm a huge fan of Seven Mile. If you haven't worked that out already, well, you must be new to the podcast. Then welcome. <laughs> but but uh, 
Yeah, Seven Mile. Look, we're starting to see more and more images come out of Clayton DeVries Pont. Mike Clayton certainly showing some images. Lucas Michelle is showing some images. And CDP uh, showing images and videos. And it looks incredible. So a lot of the trees now in the uh, areas where they're going to be working uh, have been removed, the weeds and, and so on, the, the large radiator pine trees. They've all been, uh, they've basically been removed and we're left with the landscape, the golf landscape that was there originally before all the weeds started to grow and take over. And I've got to tell you, the more I see, the better it looks. And I can't imagine how Mike Clayton and, and the rest of the CDP team are thinking about how it's going to unfold. I can't imagine what Matt Goggin's thinking as he really starts to see it in front of his eyes, what he's envisioned envisioned is going to be able to be done and what they've got to play with. So it's really, really exciting down there in Hobart in Tasmania. Just like I mentioned, if, if you haven't heard me talk about Seven Mile Beach, it's just out of uh, just on the outskirts of Hobart, the city, right near the airport, and it's on a on a beautiful spit of sand that juts out, and uh, it's fantastic. The location is incredible, and this is going to be one of the biggest things to happen to Australian golf. It's accessible. It's anyone can get there. It's public access, and it's easy to get to. So, this formula is really special really special and you put people like Clayton DeVries Pont as the architects behind building the project and designing the works you got someone like Matt Goggin behind the project as well you know this is a big deal for Australian golf as far as I'm concerned so keep your eyes out I'm going to put some more stuff as I see it up on my social media pages and and uh, through Instagram and Facebook so keep an eye on it guys um, don't forget it Seven Mile Beach if you haven't heard of it before you've heard it you've heard it now and one to stay excited about and give it a couple of years before we're able to go out there and and uh, hopefully get out on its fairway. So really good stuff happening in Tassie. Now, one that I'm going to talk about now is not to do with golf courses, but I'm going to mention it slightly off subject. It was recently announced, and you might have heard it was recently announced, that the Australian Open and the Australian PGA are to be postponed until early 2022. Now, when I first heard this, and I saw the you know on the social media channels and the publications and the announcements that were put out um, by the PGA and so on, the people running the Oz Open, that it was postponed. I made a couple of comments on social media. I was really, really, really disappointed. I really was, really. And the reason why I was so disappointed is because, and I'll say it again if you didn't see my comments, and, and you may not have. The reason I was really disappointed was because in a place like New South Wales, for example, and in a place like Queensland and WA, where you're allowed to still play golf, Victoria, we know it's been difficult. Tasmania, you can still play golf. South Australia, you can still play golf. In those areas, can't leave out the Northern Territory, you can still play golf and the ACT. So in a lot of those areas through most of this year, we've been allowed to play golf. For, for a lot of the time. And it's been one of the few sports that you're allowed to go and enjoy, either on your own or with two people only. There's been quite strict restrictions about being out there, but you're still able to get out there. We're still getting our kicks about playing golf and enjoying golf through a lot of this difficult, difficult time. And what made me so angry was I'm a rugby league fan. My wife is an AFL fan and we watch both coats. 
we've been able to watch those sports through the year. They've had their COVID rules and, and they've been able to continue on. What made me so frustrated was I was getting really excited about the year ahead and, and seeing our national events come on. But I was disappointed when I heard it was being postponed because I thought I thought it was going to be, I won't say a free kick, but I really felt that they were going to be able to get a massive crowd to watch the to watch the events on television because you know sure you might not be able to go to it they might not have been allowed to have crowds in but i was really excited about having the television viewers on mass to watch what's probably going to be one of the few sports if we come in a lockdown depending on which state later this year people are going to get excited about it people are wanting to watch it after not having been able to see last year's events at all so when they said it was postponed till next year, my head dropped, my shoulders slumped over, and I thought, you know what, they've missed another opportunity. I made some comments on social media on the post done by the Australian PGA, and uh, and then I got a phone call, which was a little bit unusual. I just assumed it was a work number because it was a phone number that I didn't have. I thought it might have been someone looking for for um, for me to come and look at their property to do some work, and. It was a member from the media team, <laughs> which really surprised me. 10 points for getting in touch with me, if any of them are listening. And I was really impressed that they did so. And they explained to me why it was being postponed. They said, Steve, we saw your comment. We just want to back it up with the reason behind our decision. And they talked about what I expected, sponsorship, you know, we need to get a good product so we can put it out there on television, we need to get good, plenty of eyeballs, we need to have, you know, X level of this done and X level of that done and we've got things that we need to make sure that we commit to that we can we can deliver and so on and so on. I hear all that, but I'm sorry. And and one of the components was, we, you know, we need to make sure that we can we can get the right people in our field i.e. certain imports to come, you know, some of the leading players potentially from overseas to come to Australia and play the event. And my my argument was, and I said that in the comments on, on the social media post, was why can't we have people within Australia, so be it if it's an Australian Open with only Australians playing it. Wow, that would be devastating, wouldn't it? Giving people a chance to win our biggest event. Now, plenty of you people out there may disagree with me totally, and that's fine. That's great. This is part of what I love. I love bringing on discussion and opening up conversation. So if you've got something to say about it, please let me know on social media because I'd love to discuss it. But from where I sit and knowing how many people really want to escape being at home with restrictions, even if they can't get to the venue, they will watch it on television. I was so disheartened. When it was postponed. Now, hopefully, it doesn't get axed from early next year, and we don't know what's going to be around the corner. Likewise, hosting it at all, we wouldn't know if it was going to be axed if it was in November, December, like it usually is. Could be some sort of lockdown, and that might not even be able to happen at all. But I'm sure they could put forward, like they said to me, they they have their protocols and their COVID stuff and all that sort of thing to put forward. But they're saying that if they were to host it. A limited event, they would lose money. That's the crux of it. 
That's what I was told. But like I said, I thought it might have been a way for the sport to put the right foot forward, as opposed to the left, to put a foot forward and be leaders and say, we want to have our event. We want people to watch it. We know you're going to watch it from home. We know you're going to be in thrall because it's a home event. And we're going to give whoever's here and able to play a chance at taking it out. And I'm sure there'll be great golf had. And the person who wins it will be the best person who could attend the event. But for me, I stand by being disappointed. And hopefully, like I said, hopefully it happens next year. But I was just a little bit surprised that they they won't host the event unless they can get their big names, whoever they may be. They won't have it on unless they bring those names in. It's not going to occur, which kind of also gave me an insight into what they are and what they're thinking and how they're working. So I was a bit surprised. 10 points for calling me and telling me. So they wanted to try and, I suppose, nip it in the bud. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of... Um, bad commentary about the postponement but like i said to them i think they could have communicated it a little bit better rather than just a basic it's been postponed and you know this is the difficulties behind it so we've had to make that decision be bold be brash you know i know it's not my money so it's easy for me to commentate on the sidelines and say it but i'm sure if 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 you communicated with all the stakeholders involved it could have been something sensational and I know there's risk, but again, I can sit on the sidelines and say it because it's not my cash. That's one I'm curious to know what you guys think as players, as viewers, as as participants, and as people buying tickets. And, and buying tickets could easily be you're spending your time at home watching it on television. Would you still watch it on television if we didn't bring over a Jordan Spieth or a Rory or a, just a, one of the big guys, Adam Scott, Jason Day, you know, the token Aussie guys that, that always try and make the effort to be here. Some of the big names, Matt Jones, Cam Smith, Leash. You know, if we got a couple of those big names, big Aussie names to come, if they if they came, great. But if they couldn't come and we only had those participating pros in Australia, would you still watch it? I know I bloody would. I'd love to see the Elvis Smilers of the world, you know, be up front and centre and be leading the pack. I really would be excited by that. And watching how it would unfold to give these guys a chance and some of the names we don't know in the Men's Australian Open. And I should clarify, I'm talking about the Men's Australian Open. That's They're the ones that would have been postponed. So I'd be very interested to see how that would unfold. So, um, yeah, I was, I was surprised, disappointed. Um, curious to know your thoughts. Curious to know your thoughts. And I should clarify, it's the Men's Australian Open, the Men's Australian PGA that are the ones that have been postponed. So uh, look forward to seeing it if it happens ahead in uh, in later in the year. And I think it'll coincide with the women's, which uh, last year I'm pretty sure, the, sorry, the year before was held at Royal Adelaide. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it unfolds. But the men's is postponed until 2022. <laughs> And that's it for episode 25, guys. Thank you for listening. I hope you took a little bit out of it again. And look, I will say, please like, share, subscribe. And I would appreciate you listening to this. It's Thursday, the 7th of October. It is my birthday. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm quiet about it. But it's my birthday. So, look, let me ask you, as a present, as a kind gift, as a gesture, if you will, I'd ask if you please, could you please leave me a comment? 
on the podcast reviews. I'd love to see some of your reviews. I really would. So I appreciate it. But um, I, yeah, I appreciate if you leave a if you leave a review, leave a comment. Thank you so much, guys. Look, trying to keep it weekly, trying to stay relevant, trying to stay current, and keep you up to date with what's going on across the country. This is Walking the Fairways. It is the Golfing Greenkeeper podcast. I'm Steve Smith. Thank you very much. You keep them clean. I keep getting it wrong, and I've been saying it for so long. You hit them clean, and we'll keep them green. Cheers, guys. Have a good one.